warning, the following podcast, which contains strong language and mature content, is unsuitable for children or for the faint of heart. The subject matter discussed will be frightening and graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. Along with the spooked girls Bring on the slaughter We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey there, Spooksters, and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Jessica, and as always, I am joined by my favorite cool friend, Tara. Hey, Spooksters. I'm actually using my ghoul friend mug tonight. Oh, mine broke. I'm very heartbroken. I know. know. And it's like out of stock. Fuck, I know. Anyways, that's fine. (laughs) Okay. It's Thursday, so it's another stabby snippet. Mm -hmm. And of course, because it's me, I am going through the show Homicide Hunter, which, by the way, I consistently want to call a haunted homicide. So if you're (laughs) looking to start a podcast, you owe me royalties. No. Remember? I told you last time. Cozy mist- Paranormal Mystery series. Oh, yeah. Tara's writing a I'm book, so you can't have it. No. <laughs> it's trademarked. <laughs> Wink. Okay. So this case is about 22-year-old Mickey Fillmore, and it happened in 1986. So, you know, I was like a baby mm-hmm. infant. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Little toddler Je- or little infant Jessica. Of course, because it is Papa Joe, Mm -hmm. it's taking place in Colorado Springs because that's where he worked. So apparently there's a lot of fucking homicides in Colorado Springs. Yeah. Basically what I've kind of gotten to because I think there's like several seasons of this show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know if like eventually he like in this show and we'll find out if he like kind of goes to like a different other cases. Mm hmm that aren't his but right now it's his so on july 19th 1986 an army specialist by the name of tracy spencer was going to get a ride to base with his friend that because they lived off base in this like apartment complex mm-hmm. that had like an inner court if that makes sense so like yeah. they faced each other and he went and knocked on the door and he's like hey is so and so here i need a ride and the guy was like no he already left And they're like, okay. So then he's walking back to his apartment because I think he was going to have to go get his wife or someone to take him. And Mm -hmm. he sees in this window a woman lying on the floor. And that was shocking because he knew this woman because everyone in the apartment knew her. Her name was Lee Fillmore. Yeah. And so he goes upstairs and gets his wife, Lisa Spencer. And she comes downstairs and slides open a window and crawls in and basically finds that she's dead. She's laying on the floor between the bed and the wall. And she's like, oh, my God. So then they call 911. Of course, they come out, they assess that she has passed away and that she has been strangled. In fact, the muscles in your neck that you bob, I don't know, or nod with, I guess, they were like severely bruised and her her hyoid bone 
have a bunch of pooled blood around it. That was like the first part of the autopsy that they noticed. Mm -hmm. So they were like, oh my God, something has happened to her. And because it becomes a homicide, Papa Joe comes in. And if you don't know who Papa Joe is, because this is your first episode (laughs) on Homicide Hunter, it follows the career of Detective Joe Kenda. And we call him Papa Joe because if Paul Mm -hmm. Halls is the daddy of true crime, Papa Joe (laughs) is the granddaddy. So I really want him to find this, our podcast. Someone send it to Joe. Oh, my God. For real. Just so that he knows I call him Papa Joe. (laughs) And if I find out from one of you that he has deceased, I will cry. I am not emotionally stable. So keep that. We're not going to go there. But anyway. (laughs) So just a little background on Mickey. Like she wasn't from the area. She was engaged to... Another, she was engaged to a man who was actually, they were getting ready to like move away. She was only supposed to be in this apartment for like maybe six more weeks. Not very long. Like I said, they find the body, Papa Joe gets involved and they start interviewing the neighbors like you're supposed to do. And they go to this one apartment and there's this guy, his name is Dwight and he lives there. And his brother Dexter is there because they're getting, he's getting ready to move as well. So they interview them. And come to find out that the night before, on July 18th, because they found the body July 19th, Dwight and Mickey had gone out to a club together. Like, they're neighbors. You know, if I was going out to a club and I had a good relationship with my neighbor and I, you know, my fiance was not home, I would probably be like, hey, I want a dude to go with me. So I feel a little more secure, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Dwight says that they go out. He's not really, like, checking on her because, you know, it's not his girlfriend. It's, like, not his circus, not his monkeys type thing. Right. But he notices that she starts chatting up this guy whose name is DiCarlo Dowden. And Mm -hmm. she starts talking to him. Dwight has no idea who he is. And he describes him as 170 pounds, 5'11", has an earring. And so he's like, okay. He's like, so we were there until like two, a little bit before two. But before we left, Mickey handed him a piece of paper. Like a small little paper. So this is 1986. Like there were no cell phones or there were cell right. phones, but yeah, it was like nine bucks a minute. So. <laughs> so she hands him her number and then they leave and basically they go back to her apartment and they stay up and chat until probably like a quarter to four, mm-hmm. maybe like 3.30. And then he goes back to his apartment and goes to go to bed about 3.45 or... No, it was about four o'clock, I should say. Mm-hmm. He hears knocking on the door. And he like, you know, he's fucking nosy. I would have too. I'd been like, who's knocking at four o'clock in the morning, people? This is this is sleepy time. Right. Yeah. And he looks out and he can see Mickey's apartment and the dude from the club, the Carlo, is knocking on the door. Mm-hmm. And he says he knocked twice and then he just closed the curtain and ignored. A neighbor is interviewed and said that about 345, they were awoken to a loud scream. And then some thumping noises. This witness is very, like, important, though, because this gives us a timeline. Mm -hmm. 345. Yeah. So, like, in the 15 minutes that she left Dwight's, or Dwight left her apartment, Mm -hmm. or the 30 minutes, I should say, something happens halfway through, and then Dwight sees DiCarlo knocking on the door. Right. Mm -hmm. So... The autopsy comes back and obviously there was violence and there was sexual assault done because when she was found, she was naked, covered in a sheet, and she was laying on a pile of clothes. Right. Mm -hmm. The way they described it was that it wasn't very long and it was very violent. So quick and brutal. 
So it would make sense. A loud scream, some thumping, and then nothing. Right. Because that's kind of how this went down. Yeah. So basically, they're like, what the fuck? So they reach out to Mickey's fiance. They don't kind of, they say his name, but like they say it so fast, like I couldn't get it and mm-hmm. then I couldn't find it anywhere in line. Mm-hmm. So basically, they were like, because, you know, the first people you look at are significant others. Right. If she had been out all night with another dude, let's say that the fiance was coming home and saw Dwight leaving. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, there's the knock at the door. You might be like, why the fuck are these dudes like around your apartment? Right. Yeah. But he had an excuse. He was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, 1,700 miles away. (laughs) He also said that he had a friend who he had kind of asked to, like, check in on Mickey because, like, she was there by herself. His name was Frank Lynch. And Frank denied any involvement with her other than, like, he would check in on her every once in a while. Mm -hmm. But the fiance kind of was like, I think her and Frank are, you know, doing the thing. But Frank was like, I did not. About this time, Papa Joe gets a call, and it is DiCarlo. He has now called in and said, hey, I'm the guy you're looking for that she, like, gave the note to. Hmm. That's me. Yeah. He comes in and tells the story. His story is he's out at the club. He sees Mickey. He's met Mickey before. He's actually been to Mickey's house before, you know? He sees her. She, like, comes over and, like, tugs on his pants. They apparently dirty dance together at some point. I don't know. That's just kind of what the show kind of indicated. Uh Uh-huh. Then he went off and was talking to other people. She gave him his number and was like, let's hook up, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. He called. She was like, come over. Then he came over and knocked. He said, I knocked. Nothing happened. I knocked again. Nothing happened. He says he saw Dwight peering out the window. Oh. So now they're like kind of alibis. Mm -hmm. Like he was definitely in his apartment because I saw him. Mm hmm. And he said that DiCarlo said that he just left, that he just was like, okay, bye, because she didn't answer. But, you know, Joe was like, "Mm, I don't believe that. I don't believe you just fucking left. Well, on August 12th, something would change. On August 12th, another body was discovered in the same apartment complex. Mm, uh Uh-oh. This time, it was 24-year-old Barbara Kramer. She was a nurse at Eisenhower Hospital in Colorado Springs. Mm -hmm. And she was one of those people who were like super fucking punctual. Like she's supposed to be at work at like 8 a.m. She's there at 745 Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. And when she didn't show up for work, they immediately called her sister-in-law. Right. So by Mm -hmm. like 915, they've discovered the body. Oh, my gosh. It's not very long. Yeah. So they go in, like, the sister-in-law and a friend, they go into the apartment. It looks tra- it looks like someone has, like, barged in and created a scene and blah, blah, blah. And they find her in the bedroom, same MO. She's, like, naked, mm-hmm. I think, from the waist down and has been dragged off her bed and has been strangled. Mm-hmm. It was very quick and very violent as well. So they're like, okay, we have an MO. We have a modus operandi. We got this shit. Right. He immediately goes. DiCarlo's going to get fucking like, you know, Papa Joe's like all in for it. But DiCarlo has an alibi. Mm. He has a legit alibi that places him somewhere else because he's with his actual girlfriend. And and this is where Joe is like, this is the same crime. It happened the same way. Same MO. Same duration of time. Very fast. There's no way that this could be a copycat. There's no way like DiCarlo could have done it the first one. Mm -hmm. And then somebody else do the second one. Mm hmm. 
Well, a neighbor said that she was leaving on August 12th. She was leaving for work about 645 in the morning. Mm -hmm. And that she sees a man storm up to Barbara's apartment with an envelope in his hand and starts banging on the door Hmm. and then goes inside. This man would be Tracy Spencer, the man who discovered the body of Mickey. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. The witness who had heard Mickey make the scream Mm -hmm. had also heard about 625 in the or 645 in the morning. The same thing. Mm. Now, they bring Lisa Spencer and Tracy in and they start interviewing them. Mm -hmm. And not like right away, but pretty close to the fact that they're like, we're going to get him for this because they find out. Or I should say, I don't know if they find out right away, but they find out that Lisa actually didn't go into the apartment. She was just told, hey, this is what happens. You need to say this. Like, she didn't actually do that. Gotcha. And she was his alibi that he was home all night and come to find out that Tracy used to, like, wake up in the the middle of the night, like, early mornings and need to go on walks because he would just have this energy he needed to expel. Mm. Walks to his victim's house? Like... (laughs) Apparently. Oh, my God. So then now we're talking about the em- the envelope in his hand. Yeah. According to Lisa, Tracy was getting really fucking pissed at Barbara because he kept finding her mail lying on the ground outside. And that pissed him off. Like, I don't know why that would piss you off. Yeah. People drop their mail, fucking throw it away, kick it to the side. Not your business. Mm-hmm. Apparently had, like, brought it into the house. Oh, And Lisa thought it was weird. And so she threw it away. Mm -hmm. And then he asked where the fuck it was. Mm. And she's like, I don't know. She didn't tell him that she had thrown it away because it was like literally in their trash can at that moment. Gotcha. So Tracy actually gets a fucking envelope, makes fake mail Mm -hmm. to take over to Barbara's house. So Barbara's up getting ready for work. Tracy fucking knocks on her door. He comes in to talk to her about it and he attacks her. Mm -hmm. Now, Tracy comes out to be one of the most not one of the most but he's a prolific liar Mm -hmm. he you know denies everything but he's like i didn't do this when they match the semen to him that was found in both victims he lies he pivots his lie to say i was having an affair with mickey and we had consensual sex that night because they could only narrow down the sex within 12 hours so technically like they could have had sex before she went out right And then also his blood and hair samples were found at the crime scene. He was really trying to dig his way the fuck out of this. And kind of what sealed his fate is when Lisa took back her alibi. Mm, Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Because I think like when you, if you don't think someone would have killed, because I don't know if he killed prior to these. Right. I don't know. I don't have any knowledge of that. Yeah. But like, if you were like, no, my husband wouldn't do that. Of course. Like, he was just out walking. But I could see, like, if I say he's out walking, he has no alibi. He found the body. He needs an alibi because he's a dude. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. I could see, like, you know, I want to protect my husband. And then all of a sudden you're like, shit, my husband probably murdered these people. Yep. And the fact that, you know, they place him as the person who finds Mickey. Mm-hmm. The neighbor places him banging on barbara's door Mm -hmm. he's basically at both crime scenes right let's be real if it wasn't him who else is there twice exactly 
So he had DNA evidence that linked him to it. And like, mind you, his last murder happened August 12th. Mm -hmm. Dude was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison plus 24 years on December 31st, 1986. Holy shit. Fast. Mm -hmm. He is eligible for parole in 10 years. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, they say that he overpowered, sexually assaulted, and then killed both of these women, and they don't know the reason. There was no reason given. And one of the interesting things is, like, on the show, Barbara's brother, they interviewed the brother, her brother, and Uh her sister-in-law. Yeah. And they both say, like, we were, like, after the first murder, we are like, you have to be careful. You have to lock your door. We don't know if her door was, and they're like, we found her door unlocked. Mm Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have mattered. Like, if someone came and knocked on my door. Right. They could force their way in. Right. I mean, granted, if someone knocked on my door and I don't know you, I talk to you through my window. You know the window in my kitchen. (laughs) Yeah. I talk to them through that window because, like, the fuck I'm going to open the door if I don't know you. Exactly. Granted, I am very aware that that is just mere glass. (laughs) (laughs) But still. (laughs) But still, like, that's going to cause noise. And you know my neighbors are nosy, so. (laughs) But. This was like one of those cases that happened. It was so challenging because it was like yeah. almost this happened and they had mm-hmm. no, su- they had all these suspects and they all kept like having alibis or reasons why they couldn't do it. And people like kind of canceled each other out. Right. You know, the whole Dwight and DiCarlo thing. Like, mm-hmm. but then again, Dwight could have killed her and then just gone home. And then that's why she wasn't answering. I thought that when I was watching it. Yeah, so Tracy Spencer was arrested and found guilty of first-degree murders of both Mickey Fillmore and Barbara Kramer, which, good job, guys. For real. So fast. That was, uh, that's pretty impressive. That never happened. Mm-mm. Yeah, I found, I thought this case was, it was really interesting because it was one of those cases that you're like, oh, shit, this could have gone real bad. Right. They could have had nobody. Yeah, exactly. But can we just point out the dumbest mistake that's killer made Mm -hmm. he killed two people in the same apartment complex right and he lived in the apartment complex i mean we gotta love when killers are fucking stupid (laughs) right from all my years of being a professional criminal minds watcher (laughs) that's the first thing they tell you is like you don't kill at home yeah people can connect you so yep exactly and that must have been so much harder for Lisa, too, because could you yeah. imagine, like, she's she knows these people. Right. Oh, and the interesting thing is that Lisa actually told people that, that Mickey was pregnant and that it could possibly be the fiancé because there was rumor it wasn't his baby. Interesting. I mean, granted, she was meeting up with DiCarlo, like. Right. I mean, that kind of tracks, but, like, she wasn't pregnant. Yeah. and. She was not intoxicated whatsoever. So I don't Mm -hmm. even know if she drank at the club. So it's not like we could have been like, oh, something happened. No, just cold-blooded murder. And Barbara was getting ready for work. It's not like nobody's mail. Mind you, his thing was is that the mail blew out of the mailbox. Mailboxes are fucking locked. This isn't the old school, like my parents' house where the mail had a flap down and it could have been open and the mail blew out. Right. The mailman has to lock the boxes. The only way that works is if somebody, you know how like if they put your mail in the wrong box and mm-hmm. someone like puts it up? Yeah. That's the only way that could have worked. And then that's not Barbara's fault. 
Exactly. She's not like out there littering, so. Yeah. And even if that is, it's no fucking excuse to kill someone. No. Just report them to the office. Exactly. If it bothers you that much. Right. But yeah, so that's going to wrap it up for today. I hope you guys are enjoying this Homicide Hunter. If there's a show out there that you guys are like, Jessica, do this one instead. Let me know. I don't care. Yeah. I mean, I do really care because I really do like Papa Joe. <laughs> you know, I will also look at other shows. We can add other stuff in the mix. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, we're going to sign off and we will see you back here on Monday for another episode. Bye, guys. Toodles. Toodles.